I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Oh, we've got some college football coming up for you guys to talk about. Matt Baker of the Tampa Bay Times is in Miami for the Orange Bowl. It's Florida State against Georgia. If you think that doesn't mean anything, just wait and listen. And, of course, the national semifinals are upon us. We've got some great games. Alabama against Michigan. Washington against Texas. Those will be fantastic games we look forward to. We talk all things college football as well as the ACC is suing Florida State and Florida State is suing the ACC. There will be lawyers. Matt Baker coming up here in just a minute. First, I want to start with the Bucks. They began preparations for their game against the New Orleans Saints on Sunday. That game is at 1 o'clock. It is for, if they're the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the NFC South title. If they win, they're in. They are in the playoffs. they got to win one of the next two games. Of course, their final game is at Carolina, but the New Year's Eve game that we're talking about always comes down to the Saints and the Bucks. In the last seven years, actually, the Saints won four straight NFC South titles, and that was followed up by the Bucks going for their third straight NFC South title. So Bucks and Saints on Sunday. Uh, the Bucks have momentum, obviously, winners of four in a row, trying to win five and then maybe six in a row going into the postseason if they're able to do that. Hat and T-shirt game, which is always big at Raymond James Stadium. Had a chance to talk to Devin White, and I will just say this um, about Devin, you know, there was a lot of stuff that we've talked about, maybe him not being uh, quite anxious to accept a sort of a rotational role, if you will, when he was coming off that foot injury, did not appear, um, you know, it was questionable. He practiced that Thursday and Friday prior to the game at Green Bay, but then on Sunday we found out late that Devin White, in fact, wasn't active, said he couldn't go. Apparently he said that on Friday. The NFL is looking into all of that uh, with respect to his scratch uh, from the injury report. But that said, we had a chance to talk to Devin White just the other day on Wednesday. And I will say this about Devin White. like He is available. He is uh, uh, willing to stand up for whatever is going on. You know, back in the day when he was accused of loafing and worn sap gun on him, he faces the music. He is not afraid to stand there and answer questions, and he did so again on Wednesday. And the one thing I'll say, and I wrote about this in the Tampa Bay Times and on TampaBay.com, you know, the idea was that he was going to sort of be in a rotational role, if you will, with K.J. Britt, and that's what in Green Bay allegedly, reportedly, and according to multiple sources, uh, is what – led to him saying, I, I don't think I can go. Well, he did go last week, and and they were supposed to be rotating K.J. Britt and Devin White. And it turns out that Devin White played all but three snaps on defense. Like, that was it, man. He took over. 
Of course, in the first series by the Jaguars, he winds up with an interception that sort of set the tone. One of four takeaways for the Bucks in their 30-12 to win. And that's who Devin White is capable of being when he's healthy. Um, I don't think he had been healthy. We, we saw that with the very unathletic play that he was unable to make when they, you know, were in Indianapolis and, you know, Gardner Minshew was able to get in the end zone one-on-one at the two-yard line. That was probably the biggest sign that Devin was not right. And he missed the next two weeks after that. We mentioned the fact that he was supposed to come back against Green Bay, medically cleared, decided not to. Whatever went on there doesn't really matter because he did come back last Sunday and he played one hell of a game. And, you know, we know about the first series ends in interception by Devin White playing cover two, dropping back into coverage, third and 15, makes a very acrobatic uh, athletic play for the pick, and the rest is history. He gets a half sack, gets a forced fumble, I think, and he was a factor back. I mean, he was the guy that was creating turnovers, making huge plays like we've seen him in the past. And that's huge because if that Devin White of 2020 is going to come back and is going to play like Devin White, then this Bucks defense is going to start humming. Um, and as we talked to White, he said, look, that's the type of plays I know I can make. I study, I go out there, I play hard. Uh, being able just to have a motor again is huge. He goes, I've been a, a high-motor guy. When I was hurt, my motor was knocking. It, I needed to go to the shop, and I'll admit that. Obviously, I was out there. I'm not shying away from it. You know, if you're going to play, you should play well and all that stuff. And he said, but just being healthy, just being able to have – energy and fly around and make plays. I'm thankful to be back to that. Obviously, I can build off of that and keep going. And let me just say this about Devin White. For all the things that he may not be, um, and maybe dialed in as one of them, right? Got a lot of outside interest. um, Has had to be humbled several times. But he always stands there. He always faces the music. And what else does he do? He, 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 He shows up. He shows up with big plays um, when he's motivated, when he's in that mode. Um, we saw him do that uh, as a rookie. If you go back to the 2020 season, I mean, he missed the first wild card win at Washington. He had COVID-19. The Bucks were fortunate to win that game. Um, but in the three pre- preseason games after that, the dude was electric. He, he had 38 tackles in those three games. He had three tackles for loss. One huge interception at New Orleans when Jared Cook was going the other way and they're up by seven and they're going to go up by 14 and he's at the plus 40, gets a strip from Antoine Winfield Jr. Devin recovers. Uh, the Bucks go on to score 17 unanswered points after that. Um, so in the three postseason games we mentioned, 38 tackles, three tackles were lost, one interception, two passes defense, and two fumble recoveries. And, of course, one of those interceptions or the interception came in the Super Bowl to kind of close that out. So, listen, if that's the Devin White you're going to get, if you're going to get Devin White circa 220, uh, 2020 and he's going to make plays at all levels of the field, you will be delighted to have that guy. Like, that's the guy you need. And he knows he can help a great deal. He said as much. Uh, Todd Bowles has said that. And I would not expect to see K.J. Britt in the game very often. Now, Bowles said that, well, we got ahead pretty much, and so therefore the role you know, that Devin was going to play came up more often. 
And we'll see. If he's going to play with that kind of fire and that kind of you know effort and all those things and be in position and know what he's doing and not bust assignments and all of that, you want Devin White on that wall. You need him on that wall. Uh, and so that's where I think we're headed with this. And good on Devin for, you know, getting healthy, number one, and recognizing that, uh, you know, he's under fire a little bit, and he always pushes back. And I think he's going to push back on Sunday when they play the New Orleans Saints. So that'll be something to watch. All right, we'll get to Matt Baker in just a second. But first, for the past 14 years, the skilled pros of Electric Solar have been installing solar energy systems in Florida. They provide the most reliable solar equipment, the best installation methods, and service while helping homeowners cut energy costs with an environmentally friendly investment. Mayelectric Solar uses their own skilled employees, you know, never subcontractors, and they've always offered the safest and most reliable equipment. Well, now Mayelectric Solar offers a 30-year no-cost equipment replacement and labor warranty. That means for 30 years. Mayelectric Solar, backed by Solar Insure, means that your roof, your electrical, and equipment replacement is all covered. Solar Insure even survives May Electric Solar and is owned by the homeowner with no deductibles or additional fees. This policy will transfer to new homeowners with no fee, and this is not a blanket insurance policy. In fact, only the best contractors are allowed to be part of this program. May Electric Solar's reputation and history of workmanship has earned them this membership. To learn more about May Electric Solar's installation and their 30-year warranty, call 727-819-2862 or visit mayelectricsolar.com. All right, I don't get to say this often the rest of the year, but best time of the week we get to talk college football with Matt Baker of the Tampa Bay Times who covers that crazy sport for us. And it is winding down, thankfully, I suppose, although we can't get enough college football, but this is the exciting time. And I will... Matt, I will defer to the fact that you are just a little under the weather. You are playing hurt, my man. You are a guy who shows up when when needed, uh, could easily uh, take the day off, but you did not. So thank you for that. Right, yeah. I could have opted out, but I chose not to. Um, <laughs> there you go. The opt-out, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I know, Rick, you're familiar, and I am sure many of our listeners are as well, with the Michael Jordan flu game. This is the Matt Baker cold <laughs> podcast. It's going to be so epic that it's going to be taught in journalism schools for decades. This is how epic this is going to be. All right, let's go. Well, Before the great thing is we archive all these, and I will use this as a teaching tool, as you know, uh, for all the future journalists out there. You play and you play hurt. We don't care. Um, so, you, again, as I mentioned, you're in Miami for the Orange Bowl. It is uh, Florida State against Georgia. We've already had some drama, as they call it. Um, so if you didn't like the fact that Florida State couldn't get into the national championship picture because their starter, of course, blew out his knee. And maybe they weren't too fond of the number two quarterback, Tate Rodemaker. Well, guess what? He's not playing either. So uh, he has opted out, as a lot of players have done from both sides. So where do they stand now in this game? What's going to happen to quarterback? Um, and and does anybody have the advantage here with what is the – the nature of college football bowl games, if it's not for a national championship. Yeah. So I think uh, generally speaking, this favors Georgia, you know, Florida state, I haven't done the exact math and we'll see if it, it changes or whatever, but somewhere along the lines of like 18 guys are uh, opted out, 
going pro, in the portal, hurt, whatever the case may be. Georgia, I've seen the number as high as 20. Again, I haven't gone through the numbers. I don't know that Georgia's released all of it. When I looked at their death chart earlier, there was a lot of like ors. So, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see how this works. But the, the moral of the story, what you, you uh, Rick, and you, the casual fan, need to know is that the teams that we saw for 13 games in the regular season, the conference championship games, will be very different than the ones we see at, at Hard Rock Stadium in, in the Orange Bowl. It, it just is. You know, there's going to be, um, you know, I'm sure there's going to be some pundits and fans in, in the SEC. Well, well, look, Florida State looks like garbage in the Orange Bowl. Clearly, they didn't belong in the playoff. No. Look, they're going to be down to their number three quarterback without their number one receiver, without their number two receiver, without their number one running back, without their number two running back, without their star defensive end, and on and on and on. You take those guys away from any team in the country, it's not going to be the same. And, you know, Georgia, to whatever extent it applies to them, same deal. So I'm viewing this as, I mean, what college football bowl games used to be, which is an exhibition. Um, I'm viewing it as... Who are the younger guys who have more opportunities here that, you know, make a couple big plays, play really well, whatever it is that gives you optimism about them going forward. But I'm also keeping in mind that th- this roster is going to change, right? There's going to be portal guys in, obviously high school freshmen coming in. So, you know, I'm viewing it just as looking for a couple key players who emerge and just having fun. That, that That's a terrible kind of boring thing to say, but um you're, you're exactly right with what you said a minute ago on how the uh, this is what bowl games are if it's not the playoff. And you know, I was talking with, uh, you know, I, I was uh, visiting family for over the holidays and I was talking to somebody who's not a college football fan at all, who's basically said, like, what's the point? What, what is everybody doing here? And I, I thought about it. And, it's, you know, it's it's still going to be fun in its own way. Um, you know, a, cu- a couple of nights ago, I was watching the first responder bowl with my kids and my family at uh, over dinner. And, you know, Texas State, who nobody at the table knew anything about Texas State. Nobody cares about Texas State. But when a 320-pound offensive tackle who transferred from Incarnate Ward scores on a trick play in a bowl game and starts celebrating, everybody was like, oh, my gosh, this is so great. So that's how I'm trying to view bowl season and the Orange Bowl as well. It's just some random weird stuff is going to happen and some guys are going to make plays that you didn't expect. And is it going to mean a lot? No, but hopefully we all have fun. I think it'll be fun, and, and, and yeah, big man touchdowns, man. Th- those are worth the weight, literally, in gold. But <laughs> here's my question, because I, I think we can all accept, right, that if you're a potential first-round draft pick, right, you're Caleb Williams, right? Yep. Um, you you probably don't want to play in a bowl game because of the, the risk-reward is just not there, right, if you're not playing for a national championship. Um and we all get that, okay? And I think it's probably a smart decision. However, now we've gone beyond that pale, and if you're the number two quarterback for Florida State, in this case, and you're you're going to another school, then you're also not playing. And so I'm wondering, you know, Matt, just like how – and I'm with you. I mean, I will watch – Texas State, and I did, and I saw the big man touchdown, and I heck yeah, buddy, loved it. I was all about it, so I loved the game. But by the same token, how far are we watering down these other bowl games that aren't involved in the semifinals? 
So there's a couple things here. One is it's the Bulls as a whole, and the Bull system did it to itself to some degree. Mm -hmm. It did so because it expanded so much where you've got five and seven Minnesota playing in the with the quick lane bowl or whatever. Like, do they really deserve a bowl game if it's supposed to be a reward? No. So that's part of it. Part of it is the bowl games were so resistant to change for so long that it eventually led to the playoff in the way it is, where that devalued the the Cotton Bowl, the Holiday Bowl, the Orange Bowl, you know, whatever it is. Um, so that's that's part of it. But there's another bucket to this as well, Rick, which is the the calendar is nuts. The calendar makes no sense. So, you know, Tate Rodemaker, when, when he chose to, to enter the portal, his logic was basically like, there, there's only so many spots. And if I'm not in the portal now, there will be fewer spots available for me. Uh, you know, if he waits till December 31st after the Orange Bowl, sure. decides, okay, yeah. I'm going to go in the portal, <clears throat> then there's just it's just simple math. There's not as many spots, right. so that would be unfair to him for his future to to do that. So that's kind of the the other part of this too is the calendar is so stupid because, I mean, in some ways the the NFL comparison here this is the postseason right that the playoffs are going on, also free agency is going on. Also, the draft was a week ago. It's all, and, and also, it's the silly season with, with and the coaching carousel. All of this stupid stuff is happening at the same time, and that's leading to weird things, uncomfortable things, and players having to make again having to make. I, I don't blame Tate Rodemaker at all. No, it's not his fault. No, no, he he look, he's played four years at Florida State, mostly as a backup, stuck around that long. That's sure. about as much as you can expect from anybody. Mm -hmm. And if he's in a situation now where he's only got so much time left, wants to go see what else is out there, it's you got you know get while the getting's good. You got to go, and that's a you know that's not a Tate issue. That's a college football landscape issue. And at some point, this calendar has to get fixed. I don't yeah. have all of the answers because obviously, yeah, you know, this these are still students. This is still college allegedly. So you can't, you know, there's the break in the semesters where, you know, you want to be enrolled in January for the second semester. Like that's a legitimate thing and it has to be figured out as we're talking about transfer. So I don't have all of the answers here, but what I do know is the current system is not working and the Orange Bowl and, and all the other bowl games are part of that evidence. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right. So let's stay on Florida State and let's talk about... <laughs> What's become, there will be lawyers, litigation between Florida State, the ACC, and then and a countersuit, I suppose, or a similar suit, the ACC suing Florida State. Now, I'm going to take the macro view of this, um, Matt, and I'm going to say this. Florida State has lost money, will continue to lose money, because their deal with the Atlantic Coast Conference is not on par with the other conferences, and as a result, um, whether that's competitive balance or non-competitive balance, whatever, they're suffering as a result of that. Um, so there's some damage there. I get it. So what is the ACC's countersuit, and where where is this likely to head uh, other than lawyers are going to get rich? Well, obviously, billable out, you know, there's not a lot of certainties in college football uh, except for Ohio State being good and billable hours being undefeated. That's it. <laughs> Everything else can, can change, ebbs and flows, right. but th those are the two constants in this sport. Um, yep. And so 
what happened, um, this was last week, uh, on Thursday of last week, the ACC filed a, 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 a complaint for uh, declarative judgment. I think it's the technical term. Um, I'm sure I butchered it, but whatever, I'm on cold meds. So basically they said, hey, we think they did this in Charlotte or you know Mecklenburg County up in North Carolina. And they said, hey, judge, here's the deal. We think Florida State is about ready to try to get out of the grant of rights and break the contracts. We don't know whether we can enforce our rules, which would be they have to pay a, a crap ton of money. That's the technical term, a crap ton of money to leave. <laughs> Help us understand what, what the deal is. Here's our arguments. And then on Friday, Florida State's Board of Trustees had a virtual meeting, and they approved their own lawsuit, which is also for a, you know, a, a, a you know, winning declarative judgment, a judge to say, hey, here's our argument, Tallahassee judge. Are we correct in that based on all of these things, we can get out for free or for not $572 million? So that's what's going on. And you know, Florida State's argument, as you said, was basically that the ACC, they failed is, is the bottom line. The ACC failed in terms of um, what they said they would do, which is be competitive financially. Um, again, I'm paraphrasing, but uh, and then be at the athletic forefront. I think was one of the, the terms in there. And you can't, you know, the the financial thing. That's clear. There's no denying that. Um, the finance, you know, being at the forefront ac- athletically. I don't think you can deny that either. After what we saw happen on, on Selection Sunday, where Florida State, you know, they were left out of the playoff for two reasons. Jordan Travis is one, and the other one is their strength of schedule because the ACC right. was not very good. So the ACC's counter argument to that is, hey, y'all signed the contracts. No, nobody made you do this. We did not make you sign these contracts. Y'all signed them. We, you, you took the money, right? You, you didn't give us back the money. You give it back, yeah. So we must have been doing okay. And there, there's a lot, obviously, a lot more in that. And I've, you know, I, I dealt with that on on Friday before heading to the airport for for travel, and I look forward to having the time to digest it all fully and talk to lawyers who are a lot smarter than me about all of this stuff. But I know it's ugly and it is going to get uglier and we'll just, I mean, we'll have to see how it all ends out, but it's impossible for me to see a scenario where Florida state's in the ACC long-term. You don't sue to try and get out. And I mean, like the lawsuit uses terms like incompetence. Like it's, it's not pretty and you can't, I, there's not a way for that to work out going forward. So I, it's also untenable for Florida state to pay, to pay or relinquish in combination of the two $572 million, which is what it would, their estimate, what it would be to get out of the ACC. So something's got to give here. I don't think they're going to get away for zero. I don't think it's going to be $572 million. I think lawyers are going to lawyer for a while, and eventually they're going to come to a middle term. Here's what we're okay paying. This is what we're okay accepting. Shake hands, move along, and then Clemson goes, and then North Carolina goes, and the ACC doesn't collapse, but it isn't what we think of it now. That's where I see it going. Well, we can get into this discussion another time when you feel better and and, and we have it, but I, I think that um, – Listen, we've seen the collapse of the Pac-12. Is it unrealistic to think that the ACC is going to go the same way? In other words, if I'm Florida State, there's two conferences I want to be in. 
and they run college football. It's the Big Ten or the SEC. That's, I mean, that's the most likely scenario. It is the, I mean, we've talked about it before. We've talked about it for years where college sure. football becomes a super league, or I think now the more likely scenario is the super leagues where it's the SEC and the Big Ten. Right. And, and they are the, the juggernauts. And if you're not in it, you're behind. Maybe mm-hmm. there's an, a way for a third a third league maybe the big 12 can survive this maybe the acc is a watered down version almost like almost like the american athletic conference to some degree where you know the louisville right louisville wins the acc in five years and they're good enough to make the playoff but number two doesn't have a chance maybe that's a way that this kind of ends up but realistically it's going to be the sec in the big 10 and you're either in it or you're not and florida state believes that they should be in it um, and now they've kind of put their money where their mouth is in terms of we are willing to lawyer up and, and, and do this. And even though it's uncomfortable, even though it's not fun, even though some people think we look like fools doing it, we think we belong and we got to do what's best for us. So let's try and make it work. We can get to this another time, but I just wanted to get your thoughts quickly on, you know, I, I saw where um, Brian Kelly offered up, I think it was Brian Kelly offered up an idea where, college football follows sort of an NFL model where, you know, there's shared revenues throughout. And I guess you'd have to limit the teams at some point, whether that's 64 or whatever it is, but you have divisions and you're not restricted to just playing, you know, um, the same teams every year. Maybe you maintain some rivalries in the pac 12, that sort of thing. Um, are you, do you think we're headed more towards that than anything else or, uh, is just sort of the Wild West where we're going to make this up as we go. Oh, we're going to make it up as we go. The, the the thing you have to remember about college football, I think I, I think Ralph Russo is the one who, who put this most bluntly so it's in my head. The thing you have to remember is that nobody is in charge. <laughs> nobody so is in charge. So, so true. We can sit here and come up with all these ideas that actually make sense. Yes. And if we had a commissioner of college football – they could make sense, but we but don't we have don't. a commissioner of college that's football. That's right. <laughs> we have a, a task force that's going to come up with a working group that's going to come up with a subcommittee on conference <laughs> expansion and the chancellor of you know whatever it is state who doesn't know anything about football is going to be tasked with determining, well, you know what? I kind of want to stay with these guys because I, I don't want my buddy to get hurt. We play we play golf every Tuesday. Like that's what that's how this thing works. It's so crazy. it does not make any sense. What what needs to happen though is the powers that be need to realize and make it work that football is different than everything else. It just is. So let's treat it that way. You know it, the idea that uh, USC is going to be playing Rutgers in volleyball or whatever. That's dumb. Everybody knows that's stupid. So why are we doing it? But USC playing Rutgers in football or Penn State in football? Yeah, okay. Football makes so much money. They can afford the, the nice jets. You can make the – and games are on Saturdays by and large. You can make it work. It's much harder with all the other sports. So at some point, the sport as a whole, college athletics as a whole, has to figure out this does not work. Football is different. Why are we pretending otherwise? People are too smart to know that this isn't working. Yeah, and you know, um, there's a part of me like I'm. I was all for, and again, we're not going to solve these issues in, in a couple of minutes. But I, I was all for players getting paid. I, I, I think 
you know, there was plenty of money to divide up and, and the athletes deserved a piece of the pie. But then I look at and I see like, okay, this is like through the looking glass. Like take a case of like Dylan Gabriel, right? Mm-hmm. Who goes from UCF where he was a very good quarterback, very instrumental in their program. And he goes to Oklahoma, right? Like that's pretty good, pretty good transfer there in the poor yep. world universe. And he does well, okay? Plays well. Um, you think, all right, that's a destination school. No, 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 no. Hold on. We got one more transfer here. Let's go to Oregon and play for the Ducks. I'm not comfortable with, with a quarterback of that caliber going to three schools in three years. I shouldn't care. Maybe he got more money. Good for him. But you know what I'm saying? Like There comes a point where it's just – I don't know. Even for me, I'd like to. I'd like to know the players without the scorecard. No, you're you're exactly right. At some point, we got to figure this out. I mean, we need to figure out just a way to make this work. I don't. I think some of it is contracts. Um, yeah, that's it, it's fair. What 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 what's just what's happening now isn't working. You know, where you, you as a casual fan, or you're not a casual fan, but you as a fan. Um, you need to know who's going to be on the team so that you can right. be invested in it. Yeah. I saw, I saw a picture on, on Twitter uh, a couple of days ago where somebody in a Gator sweater opened up a Christmas present of a, of a Trevor Etienne jersey. <laughs> and like, oh, man. <laughs> and yes, that happens in the NFL. My, my buddy Jared uh, had a great run where every jersey he bought that guy got hurt, got traded, <laughs> right. whatever it was. Mm. So that that happens in other sports too. But we can minimize it in college football. And one way to do that is contracts where if you go, go to School X, you know, we want we as School X want you for 2 years, 3 years, 4 years, whatever it is. And you agree to that too. I can't cut you, I can't run you off for those 2 years. You can't leave for 2 years. So that way I don't have to re-recruit you every single year. And you can't go in the portal looking around every single year. I like that. I actually like that. Yeah, it's it's but that again acknowledges that football is different and that it's not all about school. There's there's other things too. So but that's one way that I think you know, again, there's you have to figure out collective bargaining. There's a lot that has to go into this. But that's one way that we can solve this is if everybody understands we want you here for this long, I agree to be here that long. Boom, it's done. No exceptions. I mean, maybe if a coach gets hurt or a coach leaves, maybe there's a couple exceptions. But generally sure. speaking, that's one way to make this work and, and fix this at least a little bit. Yeah, and I was always a big surprise, even when I was a college athlete. It was like you, 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 you know, sign a letter of intent, you're going to school, and it's like, hey, I think I'll be here for four years. I think I'll be here for two years, but it's year to year. It's not guaranteed. And so maybe if you sign up for a guaranteed deal then that that then you're locked in so regardless of who the coach is or what happens after that hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. All right. Uh, the most exciting time of college football uh, for me, and I'm glad it's going to expand, what, a year from now. But we've got four, I think, really good teams. Florida State fans notwithstanding, I understand your angst. But uh, that aside... Boy, you talk about two blue blood. Well, there's three blue bloods, but two blue bloods playing each other. Michigan against Alabama, and what might be really Matt. When you think about it, I don't know what his future is. The final game for for Jim Harbaugh at at Michigan, maybe, perhaps. Lots of talk about him jumping to the NFL, um, but these two teams seem pretty evenly matched. I know we've had some blowouts in semifinals. I think this is going to be a great game. I think so too. The, the Harbaugh thing is very interesting um, just because there were plenty of times along the way where they could have gotten a long-term deal done, an extension done. And they didn't for whatever reason, you know, I wouldn't blame Michigan for not, not wanting to do it just because of, you know, the situation with, with Harbaugh and NCAA violations. And, you know, Harbaugh has made it, you know, his flirtations with the NFL are pretty well known at this point so mm-hmm. maybe he wants to see what the options are it would not be crazy at all to think that this is harbaugh this is going to be the end for harbaugh in michigan um at some point it's going to be the end for saving too i don't know that it's happening this year but he's it's not going to last forever and it's certainly reasonable to think this could be one of his last great teams or maybe his last great team um so we kind of have to put that in mind too but i, I think you're right i think these are pretty evenly matched teams I think uh, obviously Alabama is more kind of battle tested just because Michigan's schedule was, was pretty weak, generally speaking. Um, I, and you know, Alabama, I have to say that this, I think this is one of Saban's better coaching jobs, honestly, I do too. Just I over do the too. course of the year, the mm-hmm. improvement that they made week to week, month to month over the course of the season was, was pretty remarkable in a lot of ways where I go back to the USF game, you want to tell me that's a playoff team? Heck no. But here they are, and they've got a chance, honestly, to win the whole thing. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, it's hard to read Saban sometimes, and he's got a lot of coach speak and all of that, right? Um, I, as he says, but I think he really likes this team. Like, I, I think, so I think he feels like this team, he has gotten every ounce of sweat and, and achievement as he can get out of them. And you can tell he has a real affinity for this group in particular because I think they have overachieved. And for that reason, um, I, th- I think it's special to him. And, and look, they're there. They're right where they want to be. They're in the Final Four, and and he's all about championships. And maybe this is his last best chance. Um, he's certainly not getting younger, and we don't know how long he's going to coach, but uh, he's back where he needs to be. All right, so Texas against Washington. I'm sorry, I'm kind of a – weepy homer in in some respects and that is that if i have a hometown guy if i have a reason to have a rooting interest and you know me i gave away my fan card arkansas state unfortunately not that good even though i went to a bowl game this year um so i'm a michael Penix jr fan sure because what he has done at washington those two games Matt, the two best games I saw in college football this year might have been the two Oregon-Washington games. I'm serious. Yep. I thought they were tremendous For sure. For sure. with Bo Nix, and both of them were great. Came down to the wire. Um, I don't I don't know how Washington is doing it. 
they were more physical the second time around with Oregon, which surprised me. But Texas has a little special sauce. They're Texas. They got Matthew McConaughey. All right, all right, all right. Like I, I feel like they're more the blue blood. But but I'm I'm thinking Washington is having that special year that they're going to make it to the national championship game. Tell me I'm wrong. Um, it's they're an interesting test. Um, you know, I, I've, you know, you know how I feel in, in terms of recruiting and, and it, I always say that the team with the most dudes usually wins. They win. Yeah. Washington can be an exception here because the, the caveat to that, the, the, the dude corollary or whatever it is, is if you have a special quarterback that, that is, mm. that is the other factor. Like go back to mm. the Clemson teams where, Cle- I mean, Clemson had dudes, don't get me wrong, but Clemson was not you know, recruiting at the top four level every single year. They were recruiting at a good enough level, at a high level, no question. But they had Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence. Great That point. was the difference maker, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, L- LSU w- with Joe Burrow, again, very talented team, don't get me wrong. But I don't think that was the most talented team in the country if you go by the recruiting rankings. But they had a transcendent quarterback, and that's what you needed. So – maybe Washington that that's the way you talk yourself into it is is Washington doesn't have I don't think the talent top to bottom that Texas does Washington's receivers are great their back has been good enough and, and Penix is you know one of the top couple players in the country but you start looking at you know Texas's D tackles and across the board Texas probably has more dudes but if if Penix can play out of his mind at an elite level I'm talking like Vince Young, Rose Bowl, USC level, maybe something quite, you know, maybe not to that extent, but but a transcendent game, then absolutely they can beat Texas. But I think it's going to be one of those where he has to play at that uber elite level. And, and let's not minimize, too, the, the coaches here. Um, Kalen DeBoer did a fantastic job at Washington. You know, he he's came up from, what was it, NAIA and just figures out ways to win. Steve Sarkeesian is really, really, really good. You know, that, that 2020 Alabama team, that offense, I think, was the best I've seen. I, my, my, I might even put that a little bit ahead of the 2019 LSU. And Sark was just scheming guys up. You know, it helps when you have Devontae Smith and those guys, too. But he, he is really, really sharp just as a play caller offensively. So I, I think that can be a, a true X factor in this as well. And you're right. And we saw Hunter Renfro, right? Mm-hmm. Make the big play against even better receivers against Alabama, right? I mean, like that, that happens. That stuff happens. So that might be Washington's, uh, Washington's opportunity. I, I'm looking forward to these games. I, I, I know it's, we're going to have an expanded field after this and, and that'll be good for college football, right, Matt? I think so. I think so. You know, I'm here at, at the Orange Bowl, which once upon a time was a big deal. Um, right. Right. And I was, you know, my wife obviously didn't want me to go. She wanted me to, to stick around and, and you know, hang out and obviously take care of the kid and everything too. Um, and she's like, why are you going to cover a game that nobody's playing in? I'm like, hmm, that's a good question, honey. I don't have a good answer for you. <clears throat> I'm going to find some interesting stuff though. But I, I say that as a way to back into your point where, yeah, we're, the – there will be more games that matter more in the playoff. And I don't just mean yes. that in terms of the, the, the postseason, obviously, but in terms of the regular season where, you know, the 
SMU, uh, who they play, Tulane, I think it was. Tulane, yeah. Yeah, in the conference championship. That's a big deal because the winner of that game has a chance to go to the playoffs. And then that makes the SMU uh, Memphis regular season game matter. Like a lot more stuff matters a lot more to a lot more people nationally. Um, There are things that are going to be lost in the process. The idea of kind of the the game of the century or this year's game of the century, that's not going to be a thing as much because, yeah, Ohio State loses to Michigan. Okay, they could see him again in three weeks. Like you're that's that's going to be a thing too, but generally speaking, I think it will be good for the sport and will a- attract more of the casual fans too who understand a, a playoff system more than they understand. Wait, the Orange Bowl is not a big deal this year, but it was last year, like that type of thing. No, I agree, and I, I'm all for making them more relevant and that's they were relevant back in the day for another reason, but I, I I'm kind of cool to that. For sure. He's Matt Baker. He is playing hurt and no transfer portal for him. He is at the Orange Bowl in Miami, Florida State, Georgia. You can check him out there. And, of course, for all things college football, as we head to the national semifinals, the national championship, TampaBay.com and Tampa Bay Times. Matt, thanks so much. We appreciate your efforts and uh, great information as always, man. And Happy New Year to you. Hey, you too. Uh, Thanks for having me, and I'm going to go collapse now. (laughs) Okay, man. Thanks, brother. (laughs) All right, my thanks to Matt Baker, as always. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will continue preparation for their huge game against the New Orleans Saints. We'll have a chance uh, not only to uh, talk to the Bucs and, and of course, people in the locker room. We had Baker Mayfield just the other day. We'll tell you his thoughts on the game and his future as well. So, Lots coming up about the Bucks. Thanks for listening so much. For Steve Burstink, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.